you're having a good pride month i hope you're getting out there i hope you're going to the bars and clubs and pubs if they're open where you are i don't know that things are all different uh, all over the place i'm going back to new beverly tonight to see a john waters double feature i couldn't be more thrilled and i'm sure i'll talk about the new beverly quite a bit more on upcoming episodes and on oh patreon episodes speaking of which patreon.com slash craig and friends yes that's the place to go for exclusive content and so much more and my guest this episode also has a fabulous patreon patreon.com slash petty little things which of course as you know because you listen to their podcast all the time is the patreon for petty little things the fabulous podcast victoria does with davina divine something that's alluded to in this episode but never quite specified i spent quite a good chunk of this year unmedicated or improperly medicated so thankfully that is over with so there's a couple short circuits in here I've uh, mentioned those a couple times in previous episodes. You know what I'm talking about. I think I know what you're talking about, even though I can't hear you. So, with that said, let's listen to the show. Mike stands a good move, although, like, where I- I'm sitting on my couch, so it's like, they- I could have one right here, but I'm so used to doing it like this. Uh, I know, right? Like, honestly, I just have them here because we've been using them for these live shows that we've been doing for my apartment. So, um, other than that, I was holding it for a while at the start. Yeah, but once you get used to having the stand, it's like, oh, wait, this is great. My hands are free. I can reach for things all the time. Although I've exactly. noticed when watching back the Zooms, I managed to have like three things in my hand at the same time. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you know, you're part of the community. You know, multitasking <laughs> is part of that, right? Yes, it is. You got to be good with your hands. got to juggle a little bit, you know. This is starting to sound like a grinder profile. <laughs> I think I'm, you're helping me write mine. That's very nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. See, uh, we help each other on the show. That's what we do. Um, love it's lovely to have you on. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited. I mean, uh, I'm 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 really thrilled that you asked. Uh, oh, plus, yeah. I, I'm Irish. We just love to chat shit all the time. So you know, <laughs> right? Which you can hear in full evidence on uh, Pretty Little Things, your show with Davina yes. Divine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's just over a year now, but it's gone pretty well. Like for two small little Irish girls from Dublin, you know. I liked the headline stuff that I saw about Jeffrey Bauer Chapman <laughs> that came from. The, that was quite good. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it seem like an age ago, that whole thing? It, it, it really, really does. I mean, like, to be honest, this last year, I also feel like I'm conditioned. I know in, in California, you guys are slightly open. We, we haven't had anything open in, um, in six months. The shops that, to buy clothes in have just opened a week ago. There's no oh, wow. bars open. I mean, it's been rough, like, really rough. I can imagine, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, well, I've still not really gotten into the swing of things. I'm one shot away from full vaccination. Okay, congrats. Thanks very much. How about you? None, none. Um, So they're in the process of vaccinating people in their late 50s at the moment in Ireland, and and then it will move to early 50s. I'm 37, so I'm probably a strong six to eight weeks away. Yeah, I remember when they were first doing the brackets. I thought, oh, well, I'm just not even going to worry about it because I, like, I can't think about time. It, it doesn't make a difference now. I'm just, it'll be sometime later. 
I'm just almost wishing that I had asthma at this point because I would have been vaccinated by now. Do you know what I mean? I know. A friend of mine was like, well, you know, if you're a smoker, I was like, well, I used to be. Can I use that? And then I thought, it's fine. I'm not going anywhere. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. It's yeah, fine. I'll just get, yeah. I'll get used to it. But you get real squirrely at times. I mean, you must have Absolutely. felt that, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, so it's it's like... You know, in the city center in Dublin, nothing is very big in the city center in Dublin. So it's been a challenge. At times, I found myself going for walks at the start and talking to the swans on the canal beside yeah. me. And then I was like, okay, you need to check yourself because these swans are not answering <laughs> yourself back. And, yeah. um, this is not a yeah. conversation, as it were. This is. <laughs> no. And, th- and then I just realized the power of like absolutely creating a bubble and sticking to that bubble because, you know, especially for people living on their own, they just, it's, it's an necessity yeah you know i should have really done that although it's hard to say see my my friend who lives across the hall we didn't even hang out and because he's more howard hughes about the whole thing than i am okay and and i got pretty bad you know what i mean i got real especially when it was like wipe everything down all that stuff it took me forever to get down take down the recycling all that stuff also found out someone in the building actually did get covid they were going out and about and then i was like oh and i was like i also thought one bit of building gossip I will not be sharing with my friend across the hall who's, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, when you hear something and you're like, oh, better not tell them. Better not tell them. Tell them in a year. Yeah. I'm just impressed you know your neighbors because I've been living in this building for uh, ooh, like 14 years and I practically pride myself that, you know, I, I come in and I leave um, as little as possible. I let them know about my life. Although in lockdown, I've had no choice but to work from my apartment. And yeah, I mean, they've witnessed it all at this point. And I'm sure they're wondering, like, because I'm doing a lot of virtual shows, I'm sure they're wondering, what am I screaming at all the time? Do you know what I mean? In the hope that a microphone will pick up my voice in like oh sure know, the, the technological meltdowns that happen on a weekly basis <laughs> oh yeah i remember even just doing some of the early shows too when uh Katya and i would be singing stuff and i was like whoever's walking by the door because there's no that's as bad as some areas of soundproofing are in this building the door is just like it might as well be a curtain because nothing yeah a curtain might yeah. do more actually and i was like well you know the neighbors can be like what the hell's going on in there what the hell is yeah happening but, a good time hopefully yeah exactly it's the sound of a good time and also maybe it helps to keep them away because if they're like i don't know what's right. going on in there let's stay away <laughs> one thing and she went into her higher register and like i think two apartment apartments away they were like what's is someone singing i was like yeah it's, it's over now don't worry it's okay it's all right and they were like <laughs> oh, it's back fine to your regular programming like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything's fine everything's fine or like it's funny because the uh, apartment above me, when they redid the floors, I think they screwed up the insulation. So I'm gonna have to have a talk with management because I can hear all the footsteps. And it never oh, was stop. like that. Did you watch Friends? Have you ever watched Friends before? Like, do you remember? I, I don't remember that bit. The noisy neighbor that they were like obsessed with and <laughs> that going on. It's very that. And how timely because Friends is about to have their reunion. So maybe you'll be popping up on that. You know, you never know. The universe works in interesting and fascinating ways. So you've been doing the live shows. I mean, I've always worn a lot of hats and I'm not just talking about wigs. Like for, (laughs) for like, since I'm like 14, I've been working. And then when I started doing drag, like it was so a hobby. Like it was something that I absolutely loved. And I don't think girls start doing drag like that anymore. It was literally just me having fun with my friends and getting wild and doing like crazy things. But um, I have a promotions company called Dragged Up, which... We've had 
most of the girls over um, to Ireland to perform from Drag Race. And then this podcast, we've been doing live shows through that, which, to be honest, we were so lucky. Craig, I'm going to be honest, the first live show that we did, we were like, are people going to buy a ticket for this? Um, sure. How are we going to convince them? So we said that we would share salacious um celebrity stories of people that we'd worked with over you know the previous decade that we would never say on the podcast and um That's irish people most. are nosy they're, they're nosy. <laughs> they tuned in and i shared those things and uh they're not recorded anywhere and they will never be out there um Perfect. everyone from yeah crazy drag queens to crazy music stars that we'd done gigs with and then it snowballed from there. We ended up doing a pageant that ran about three to four months. The winner got like a thousand euros and um, an illustrious crown they've never seen. And uh, <laughs> makes it even more special. <laughs> Absolutely. We did things like blind date. I don't know if you have blind date over in the States, but it's like, you know, um, three people, uh, hidden cameras and one person asking them questions. And then we would match them in lockdown to try and find love, um, which was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. We got creative. We got, I mean, I think drag queens are very resilient. So, absolutely. Yeah. And as artists, especially, I used to work in theater for um, um, about 10 years. And I noticed that, like, a lot of theater um, practitioners didn't really know what to do when they were in lockdown. And I was like, okay, well, drag queens have been doing their own hair, making their own costumes, promoting themselves. So, they're the one woman show, essentially. And that's what it turned into in lockdown as well. It's funny thinking about the difference in anxiety about stuff now. And also, you know, you had you made something happen, which is remarkable. Right. That's like you and Digital Drag Show mm -hmm. and a few other things that really made a big yeah. difference to a lot of people. And I'm sure the other people participating in it, too. Absolutely. I mean, we couldn't. It was such a community thing here. I mean, um, what we didn't realize we were doing at the start was uh, people were telling us, OK, we've had to move home. We've had to move out of the big city as such. And we're now in these small towns where there's maybe very few queer people, if any, nobody that looks like them. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling anxious anyway. And through using like hashtags on Twitter during our live show, all these people started interacting with each other and developing new friendships. And I suppose it was that one night a week where people could come together and connect to people mm -hmm. that were just like them and honestly we were just two like crazy tequila drunk drag queens in dublin in our own sitting rooms thinking okay well we need to do drag and we need to bring in some money and uh, we didn't realize that at all it, that we only figured that out afterwards which is kind yeah. of amazing it is but i think that's the only way that those things happen organically and from what are you looking to do what is you know working for you what's going to fulfill you and then other people mm -hmm. resonate with it totally Oh, I also remembered that people really like when things go wrong. Like they love when things go wrong. And and by yes. God, did things go wrong. Like, I mean, you know, they, they watched because at the start, myself and Davina, we lived in outside of the area that you're allowed mix uh, within. So there was a, a restriction on how far you could go. We were doing it from two different sitting rooms. So two drag queens as the two hour show went along are gonna over talk each other and um, <laughs> so they got to see us absolutely almost kill each other virtually too which i'm sure they enjoyed as well i bet those are some of the highlight moments for people if yeah. they were making a highlight reel those would start middle and end it uh-huh i just need a good editor to show the, the, to show we are virtual <laughs> event survivors i'm gonna start like a, an anonymous group of virtual event survivors after this i think that's good because people need to remember and also sort of process as we go into the brave new world yeah exactly exactly uh, the, the uh other aspect that well, yeah 
So I'm like doing that today. I'm a little, uh, little uh, fun for you. I, I'm kind of the same, to be honest. Yesterday I managed to do um, uh, a gig that is promoting a new toothbrush launching in Ireland. And then I left that gig to come home and read children's stories and pre-record them, um, which I have to say is the weirdest day I've ever had so far. <laughs> uh, so today my, my brain is a little bit, yeah, wired. Well, perfect. We're in the same yes. vibe then. Yeah. With the... Uh, the thing about like trying to guess someone else's time to speak, timing and everything over the internet is very difficult, even if it's a performer that you work with all the time, because you just simply don't have the subtle physical uh, cues that yeah. you would have normally. Yeah, I mean, Zoom definitely helps, but also you have to bear in mind that it's two drag queens who both want to be the funniest and have that moment. So, <laughs> you know, that's a recipe. <laughs> sure, sure. So it's not so much technical issues. It's... Yeah. Ambition. <laughs> Ambition. <laughs> yeah. Who who gets the punchline? Uh, and you were talking about working in theater. When did you start working in theater? So literally, I finished my degree on a Friday and started working in theater on the Monday. Um, I've yeah, as I said, I've really worked since like falling out of my mother's uh, vagina, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it it I love theater so much. I absolutely adore it. It pays terribly and i always was afraid to give myself to the nightlife completely because i just saw that my life would start to revolve around nighttime and yeah i, I don't know that always kind of scared me a little bit um so i worked like days and nights for like 12 or 13 years and i mean some weeks i might have done five nights and five days so it was a lot but i loved it now what were you doing in the theater when you first started so I was marketing manager for a theater, which lends itself stunningly to a drag career as well, because yeah. it means now I can sell absolutely sand to the Arabs as a drag queen with my own stuff. And uh, and then just before I left, I was programming for them as well. So programming in um, new shows to come into the theater. Okay. Well, that's mm -hmm. good. You're picking them and then you know how to market them even better. Oh, absolutely. Even if I've never seen the show myself, I will figure out a way to make it sound amazing. What do you think would be a good baseline recommendation for people who are trying to market their own projects online? Like just a simple philosophy more so than an actual step. I just think you need that one strand that's relatable that people are like, okay, I see that. I know exactly what it is in maximum two to three sentences. Um, people are scared of and think that sounds too complicated, especially if they're not regular, you know, theater goers. Um and oh, more than anything, after all of this lockdown, what we do not need to see is a lot of um, very dark and depressing work. People are ready <laughs> to be entertained, uplifted, and and feel excited about stuff again. Because I, I remember um, the Irish economy crashed back in 2007. And at the time I was working in theatre and all of the plays that were on offer were so dark and so depressing. And yeah. Ireland was already, you know, everyone's homes were at risk and I was trying to sell plays that were really dark. And I just remember thinking, <laughs> no, y'all need to start making some happy work, okay? Really happy stuff. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, like the disco boom really happened at the worst economic time in the States. And... Mm -hmm. Well, hip hop and punk as well all came around mm -hmm. at the same time, but the U.S. was in a real state. Yeah. I mean, you could you could kind of say that at any era, but in particular, uh, economically <laughs> at that time, uh, yeah. So there definitely is something about escapism. Well, glam in the U.K. came about at a really really rough time. There was power cuts. There was all kinds of things going on. Work strikes. Mm -hmm. uh, 
limited work weeks. Like there's something, there's an actual t- term for that that I can't remember. Yeah. So forgive me, UK. <laughs> and then, of course, glam is the, you know, the happiest. Vibrant, colorful. Absolutely. I, I, I just, uh, even on that, I just was on Instagram before this and I saw Bianca has named her next tour. And I was like, this is branding at its finest. It's called Unsanitized. After a year in a pandemic, she's called her show Unsanitized. And I was like, that's just so clever. (laughs) It's really good. Yeah. She's constantly knocking them out like that. She's a workhorse. Like, a workhorse and one of the nicest people you'll ever be around. Like, you just... Even when she hasn't slept, like I'm a nightmare when I haven't slept and she's just, you know, happy and organized and labeling (laughs) everything and putting it in the right place. Even after a bottle of wine, it's great. And you've experienced the range of performers, as you mentioned before, because you have that uh, cabinet full of curiosities of gossip. It must have been interesting to sort of see the range of people and also see who actually the shitheads are, because maybe they wouldn't be the expected ones. Yeah, yeah, I think people would be like probably surprised like about <laughs> who who was the delights and who were the absolute crazy ones. I mean, I, everyone. I think every event you learn something different um, from those people too. You know that kind of way. Just like, yeah. If the girls going on the show right now, just look at the uh, at the people who have had the most success. There is a recipe to it. Like there absolutely is. And there's some luck, but there's a lot of hard work, and it doesn't just happen from appearing on a TV show. You know, they're constantly at it. Because that old showbiz adage holds true to every strata of it. That yeah. you be, just be nice to everybody because you don't know. Yeah. Maybe you'd be on a slide, and you know, someone might they were not nice to might be the person that you need to help you and. God yeah. forbid <laughs> you should so cross paths because you do, you know, you do encounter the same people all the time, all the time. And there's a reason why the same people work and work and work. And a huge part of that is they're great to work with. They're just really swell to work with. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading an article about, I think some difficult actor who was really known in the seventies or something. I can't remember specifically which one, but now they were talking about nowadays. It's like, there's plenty of talented people. And now we know that there's plenty of talented people. So this kind yeah. of bad behavior. I mean, then there's also people that are just will work forever because they're just enigmatic and they've got that something and it doesn't matter how hard that event was. They're just going to work forever, you know, because right. they're magic. They've got that magic that you just can't even describe. Well, it's like Prince didn't have to talk to his record company ever. But then one of the guys in his band left and did a solo career and he was pulling the same kind of antics and his manager pulled him aside and he said, listen, man. You're not Prince, so you can't act like Prince, okay? Right. So we're going to go in there and tell them how happy we are to be working with them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that told them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Earlier, you mentioned that when you started drag, it was uh, more of something to do for fun, and then obviously developed into something that is your full-time profession. Yeah. In that, I sort of sense that you're referencing how there are some people who seem to be just driven by a specific goal that's opposite mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that the best way you can approach drag is by doing it because you love it and you want to have some fun. And, you know, if something happens out of that, brilliant. But approaching it, because I I see drag as this art form, such as if you want to be a plumber tomorrow, you can't just walk into the job and be a plumber, you know? (laughs) Look, I got the plunger. I'm here. Exactly. Or like, you're not going to rewire a whole house and say you're an electrician on day one. So I just think that like, part of it is just going out there, sticking your, sticking your head in for different um, events that are happening, being present, 
having fun because people love to be around other people that are having fun so the audience will enjoy you more the um the people who are working backstage will want to be around you more and if you're if you're coming in so dead serious about you know everything uh, from day one people are like whoa like just chill there for a bit you know we list your first gig it's not that serious <laughs> and right. uh and be pleasant but like yeah there's a huge emphasis on like new queen starting out with the look and how they're gonna look and then you know that track you you hit play on it and it's a long four minutes unless you've thought about more than just the look so what are you gonna do with it yeah it seems also that there's a massive difference between even perfecting a look in isolation and actually interacting in the world in which you wish to participate for sure. I mean, there's been, actually, I think we've seen more drag queens come out in Ireland this year in a lockdown than we have in any other year. Because I, I'm going to be totally real with you. I always looked at bedroom um, drag at a, as a certain way. And I'm going to say I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Bedroom drag is really hard. Like, it's yeah. really hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for a stage with feedback at an audience. But like... Now more than ever, I mean, it's a safe space because you're in your own home. So you can start drag and maybe not some people that maybe are, are daunted by what other people will think. Well, actually, you're just posting a picture or a performance from your home and and lots of people can edit really well. So even if they're not that strong of a performer, they can look it with a strong editing. Yeah. And if you have something that you can lean on, lean on that while you're developing the other stuff. And I think yeah. that there is an advantage to both ways of doing things. I think it's just like with musicians or any art form that is relying on or utilizing the technical a access that we have, mm -hmm. internet access, etc., to hone and perfect. And also people are thinking about camera angles. People are thinking about lighting and how makeup looks under this lighting versus that lighting. So I'm sure that's so all going to add to the overall education and yeah. sophistication of things. It's been so exciting to see what people were doing with their drag in the last year, be it brand new queens or queens that have been working a long time. Like some people just did the most magical things mm -hmm. and things that I will never be able to do. And I'm like, wow, like drag really kind of stepped itself up in a pandemic that other art forms maybe didn't get the chance to. Careers can come out of it, but I think oftentimes people get too focused on determining i'm going to have a career and this is the formula to do it and there isn't really a formula except for the central premise of you have to enjoy it because if you don't enjoy yeah. it if you don't enjoy it and the money's not coming in which in any of the fields is not mm -hmm. immediately happening yeah, you're going to be really miserable mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely i think it's all about putting out there what you would like but in a fun way and i think you know also like not everyone's going to be a natural drag queen just because you really want to do it doesn't necessarily mean it's always for those people so if it's not for you at least have a lot of fun do you know what i mean yeah and also there's other things in the industry that you can do because like there's people you know who love music would love to be music but they can't sing and they never played an instrument but then they turn out to be like a great manager or something you mm -hmm. know what i mean like I, mm -hmm. I don't know what alan mcgee did before he was a manager but that yeah. just no one loves music uh, any more than that guy I thought you were about to start calling out which drag queens couldn't sing, but have been releasing music anyway. No, no, that, that's for part two. That's for part two. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. What was the first drag performer that you remember registering with you? Oh, okay. So in Ireland, even though we weren't the most progressive country, weirdly enough, um, a drag queen called Shirley Temple Bar. Um, so 
based upon Shirley Temple, but there's an area in Dublin called Temple Bar. So she's called Shirley oh. Temple Bar. Okay, yeah. And um, she uh, had her own bingo show in our main gay bar called The George. And they hired her on basically uh, the BBC of Ireland. They're called RTE. Mm-hmm. And they hired her every week to call bingo as part of their National Lottery TV show. Okay. Um, and I remember being at home and still being in school and seeing her on TV every week and, and just like being mesmerized. But that was my first um, my first memory of like drag on TV. And she... Her target audience was like my my grandmother. You know, she was tuning in to see Shirley um, be wild on TV in the middle of the day calling bingo. Well, it's like when Boy George was at his peak. Nana's loved him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's glamour. It's absolute glamour. Yeah, exactly. And everyone likes drag, as we're seeing now. I mean, mm-hmm. Drag Race UK has now made BBC Three into an actual channel instead of a virtual channel, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty major. Like, because BBC Three had kind of like completely just made it into a into a a virtual channel, and now just to see it like flourishing and coming back, I'm like, wow! Like, drag did that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. drag changed the BBC. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny the parallels between drag and say the rock music industry or the comedy boom of the 80s because you see certain things like you mentioned what people's motivations are before and there was a time in the 80s into 90s where every comedian was sort of like working on a sort of a defined career path plan where like i got my 15 minutes i'm going to get on this talk show and then get on my own sitcom because you know you see seinfeld you see roseanne etc mm-hmm. yeah. and so I, I think that that's something that's happening right now it's interesting to watch that yeah, I am I, um, with drag and drag race in the UK. It's so exciting to see what the girls are achieving because it feels like it feels different. They're getting, you know, like tasted a, a Coca-Cola campaign. Um, I mean, everyone seems to be a model these days because they're all getting signed to modeling agencies. Yeah. And a lot of brands seem to be working with them. And maybe it's because we're outside of America, but I don't seem to see the same amount of um, brand alignment in America with these huge brands on, on, in, a, in a very much mainstream way, as opposed to creating an ad that might just be on during a certain TV show to hit that exact target market. Do you know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. Not just going to play mm-hmm. on Logo or be in the Pride edition of Rolling Stone or yeah. whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and that's interesting too because the way that you see the whole industry, I mean, it's also filtered through all of your marketing experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find it really exciting to be honest. When I see the girls get something major, I'm like, yes, this yeah. is it. You deserve this. I mean, because touring is great, but I mean, it's it's a lot. It's exhausting, and you you end up a bit haggard. Like you you do get jaded and tired. So if you can if you can create proper milestones outside of that, and also they're getting used for a lot of different TV spots. So um, and that's exciting too. I it's it's sometimes you're like, okay, how is drag going to fit into this? And then you see it, and it's fab. So the right. girls have done really well. To their credit, especially the season one girls, um, to their credit, need to be acknowledged for new spaces that they've entered into popular media, creating opportunities for the next set of girls. Like you said, in America, it does seem that it's more just fashion brands. and It's not Mm Coca-Cola. And for the Coca-Cola ad, that's amazing. 
Amazing. Like, I mean, it is it for Pablo Vittar is doing that Coca-Cola thing down in Brazil. Like, I see huge things happening for Pablo. But I mean, Pablo is a, an, another level on top of that. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, when I, I, I booked Pablo to come to perform in Dublin and Pablo sold out in Dublin. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and the music is completely in Portuguese and... It was electric and one of my favorite gigs we've ever done. Um, what an entertainer, like amazing. I think that also shows that mass audiences are more open to different and varied things than a lot of companies would like to think they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Now, what are some of your favorite artists? Let's start with now and then we'll work back to uh, as a kid. Okay, well, I'm a total Pop-Tart. I mean, okay. <laughs> Today, while I cleaned my apartment, I was listening to Madonna's Confessions on the Dance Floor again. It's yeah. it's so good. It's just timeless. Um, not the singles. It's the other tracks in there. Um, so I'm a huge Madonna fan. I'm a huge Kylie fan. They're so um, majorly a part of my coming out experience. Mm -hmm. And so was, I mean, my first two CD albums, not my tapes, were um, George Michael which was uh, the older album. And in the same day, I bought the Spice Girls uh, first album as well. So um, I was, yeah, I was into in, into them. I was into a band called Texas. Are you familiar with Texas? I'm familiar with them. And my main way of knowing them is that they were massive everywhere but the States. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sim similar to the Scissor Sisters. Like, they yes. were huge over here. <laughs> right, and right. it blows my mind that, like, these American artists who were absolutely killing it over here didn't receive the same success over there. Savage Garden were huge over here. I don't know if you remember Savage Garden. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, they had one song that really probably went global, which I think was called Truly Madly Deeply. But, um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a massive pop fan. Um, I adore J-Lo for the reasons that I don't think she's the best actress, the best singer, um, but just has the sheer determination to convince us all that she truly is the the best <laughs> at everything. Yeah. And also, she, her and Gwen Stefani just made some sort of deal with the devil because <laughs> they have been frozen in time for about 20 years. And I'm just waiting on that deal with the devil. I'm ready. I'll sign whatever it is. I want that. You put it out of the universe. Uh -huh. There you go. Like sometimes the <laughs> yeah. devil doesn't know. Devil's busy. Devil's got a lot of appointments. Fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> Lil Nas X is busy, you know, grinding on the devil. That's the only reason they haven't come near me. Yeah, no, the devil's distracted right now, understandably. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, the, how Madonna and Kylie played a key part in your coming out story. Mm. Around what age was that? So, okay. So I... I was a diary, a diary queen. So I used to keep like notes and um, Irish mothers are renowned for, you know, nothing being sacred, you know, like <laughs> this is the, the nosiness you're referring to before. Oh, yeah. In action. The post, the post was opened, you know, with my name on it. Um, and the bedroom was being tidied at all times. But, you know, <laughs> the bedroom was being scanned. <laughs> and uh, so she she found stuff like that. I'd kind of like written to myself in a very dramatic teenage way. And we she went to speak to me about it. And I ran into the bathroom and locked the door, which, you know, of course I would. Do you know what I mean? Of like, course. Yeah, I, I was I was creating my own show there and then at the age of 15. And um and, and locking yourself in the bathroom is a particular move because there's no way out. I mean, you could jump out the window, but I mean, it's not, yeah. you're like, it's going to end up the same way it always ends up. Eventually, Absolutely. you're going to unlock the door. And then, you know, but now things have been dragged out a long time. 
Exactly. So I, I, I eventually, you know, opened the door. We sat down and had a chat and, you know, she did most of the talking and I did lots of, I'm not sure. So, you know, do you like boys? And I was like, I'm not sure. Do you like girls? I'm not sure. Um, so we had that. So she had like that kind of indication. But then, you know, I went on and had a girlfriend. I didn't ever introduce the girlfriend to the family, like ever. Uh, because I think internally, I probably knew that I was like, this This is not, you know, my path. So yeah, I don't want to get them all, you know, yeah. mixed up on this thing. Exactly. And then start, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to send them complete wrong messages. But I also think a part of that was kind of like protecting myself as well in day to day life that I, I just during my teenage years, I just wanted to not be noticed. I absolutely really? didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, I went to an old boys school um, and a Catholic old boys school, which was just, you know, we're all taught to dress the same in school, not to have long hair, not to have hair too short, not to color your hair, you know, and if anyone did step outside of that, they would be sent home. So, you know, everyone had to look exactly the same in their in their uniform. Some sort of like handmaid's tale sort of stuff. But like I I don't think that helped. I remember like there was there was like two boys that joined three years into um secondary school, which is like high school for you guys. And um they had come from another country and they were so shy and quiet and everyone else was like, there had been no people from outside of Ireland in our, in our class up mm-hmm. until that point. So that must have been even harder for them. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I, yeah. I was dealing with my own, like, uh, you know, sexuality issues, but like they had moved country and, you know, everyone was the exact same. And, you know, yeah, except and, for the, and, and they're, they're standing out too, because every time they open their mouth. Mm-hmm. it's the one totally. difference like everyone looks the same everyone's dressed the same and then you hear that accent yeah yeah, yeah. and they, they didn't open their mouth very much when i think about it except in our religion class we had a religion class that you you know you had to do and it was it was the teachings of like um like uh sorry catholic teachings so they were m- both muslim and they were supposed to learn that too but they 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 didn't have to in the end but we had one teacher one year who was gay himself and uh decided to teach us many different religions and i I don't know why the teacher was not there a year later i often wonder (laughs) about that but i wonder whether it was that or i wonder whether you know he was openly gay and and at that time to be honest there wasn't that wasn't really a thing so He was pretty special. I don't, I don't, uh, I'd actually love to have a moment with him and say how special that was to me. Um, I don't remember his name, but I mean, that was pretty special in itself because he was teaching us other cultures and we didn't know how important that was at the time. Right, because you're sort of only being shown one very specific set mm-hmm. of stories, oh, yeah. etc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At that time, all schools were pretty much um, like so connected to religion. So yeah. um, it was there was very few schools that you had an option to kind of 
not for it not to play such a huge role in your learning so yeah at that time and was religion emphasized at home as well no um my father liked us to go to mass every week on a sunday but i mean i used to sit in church and count the numbers on the pamph or sorry count the words on the pamphlet because it's yeah. just so like it just didn't appeal to me or hit hit at me in any way um my grandmother definitely wanted us to be more religious but by no means was she um a strict religious person i mean my uncle's guy she was mad about um his his husband playing yeah. a huge role in their wedding and it, it's just her own faith was really important to her and i think that's a really key part of religion like it, it's your faith do you know that kind of way it's it's each yeah. person's journey um but no my mom I, I do remember we eventually just only used to go at christmas and then i remember saying listen mum like come on like can we not have a lion on christmas and not be absolutely bet out of the bed to go to church on christmas morning <laughs> right and yeah. that, that was the end of it that, that was literally it and um yeah we weren't but we weren't very religious as a family anyway yeah. so that, that kind of tracks with my family as well you know when i was much younger we did go to church on sundays and then that kind of stopped too for a number of reasons i think my parents started to see the hypocrisy in certain things and then also i hated it i mean i remember having to go to ccd i remember laughing when they tried to play every rose has a thorn by poison as like a big meaningful song and i was like this is this is like very cynical music written by a guy who's gonna be on a show called rock of love eventually <laughs> and then we would do the holidays and then eventually yeah. we just didn't because also it's the worst time of the year to go it's mm -hmm. so goddamn busy and it's like uh you're trying to get into the hottest club yeah yeah it's true because there's these um that religious guilt that hits at christmas that people feel they have to go and like listen i think irish people are riddled with catholic guilt about so many things anyway um it, it's just inbred into us and it probably will be for another few um generations i do remember one moment where i was into religion which was the year i was cast in the easter play which um i got to play the role of Pontius pilate who for anyone that doesn't know that role is the person that basically um sends uh, jesus off to be crucified and that was my big role i didn't realize that i loved the stage until that moment oh so see like yeah good things can come from all sorts of places yeah true that <laughs> yeah so after that then what was the next theatrical endeavor that you embarked on Oh, God. I mean, honestly, it was a while because I, I think, you know, that was when I was maybe 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. And really, once I went into secondary school, I kind of lost myself a bit. Um, well, you didn't want to be noticed. I mean, so if you yeah. don't want to be noticed, trying to get on a show or, you know, that's not okay. going to happen. Yeah, I, I just was so afraid of people seeing that I was different. Yeah. Um, even if I didn't know essentially why I was different, I knew I was different. And I knew that they couldn't know that because that made me, I don't want to say a target because I never experienced any bullying. Um, there was, you know, nothing that I can say I had any major trauma, but like, you know, I remember a ge uh, geography class, we had to read out loud every class someone would be picked. And I have an effeminate voice. And I knew that that would be a point that other people in the class could speak about, you know, that kind of way. So it absolutely used to paralyze me with fear, the thought of public speaking. And 
it wasn't until I left school and I, I knew as, fin- as, as soon as I finished my last exam, I was going to come out, but I couldn't do it until school was done. Yeah. And then I started in, in, in um, university and that was a game changer because I went in full of seeing probably five or six seasons of Will and Grace and thinking, okay, I know what this gay thing is. I absolutely <laughs> got this. You know, I need to align myself with somebody who is just like Grace, which I did within about two weeks. And uh, I went from not wanting to be noticed to dyeing my hair blue, red, um, probably yellow blonde, wearing bright colors all the time with slogans on the front of them, like, who's your daddy? To, you know, making all sorts of choices. But the, the people that had come from my school, and there was only two or three of them, they got lost. They were lost in university because they had lost their identity. And I hadn't got that identity in secondary school. Um, I created a whole fake identity in, in, in university, which essentially after about a year or so was, it it built me up and made me, you know, somewhat there. And then you sort of dial it back between maybe where you were before and the full on version that you were presenting. And then you find your happy medium somewhere. Yeah. It was drag. It was just early days drag, like, you know, wearing these bright colors, looking like I was confident when internally I was so nervous, so shy. Um, But, you know, the girls all wanted to be my friend. And I'd also never been in a mixed classroom before. Much better conversations. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Much more interesting. (laughs) And, And all of a sudden I had magic powers because I was special in this class. And um yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Really did. When was the first time that you did drag? Then I mean, this is sort of like you said. That's a, I like that approach to it. That was early drag because you were yeah essentially faking it till you made it, right? A hundred percent. So the first time I did drag was in my university. Um, I was involved in the LGBTQ plus society where we'd put on some events. And we were booking some of the drag queens from from Dublin to come out to our college and perform there. And um, how far away was your university from Dublin, and what like oh, area was it like? Thirty five minutes from the city center. Okay, yeah, thirty five yeah. minutes. Not far. That's a good I distance mean, for college time, though, Greg. You can pop right into the city. Oh, it's really? Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Like, I mean, I was having the time of my life. Like, I didn't come out of the co- closet. I exploded out of the closet. <laughs> I I had watched Queers Folk UK and saw how exciting my life was about to be, and I was ready to go live that. And yeah, so so I mean, we were we were going to see shows all the time. God, we were never home. And when I say I had no money, but somehow I managed to go out, you know, four nights a week. I don't understand it now, but I, I probably was, you know, drinking far too much before getting there and just dancing my <laughs> ass off. Yeah, the pre-games um, are intense during that specific yeah. economic period in our lives. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So eventually, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. This looks fun. And I thought, okay, we'll just do it in college because you're not setting out to do this. You just want to like do a performance um i have size us 13 feet and in ireland i mean the internet was not huge at the time so like finding a shoe that would fit uh, i found one really ugly slingback shoe that (laughs) would get on my foot and which had a heel that was maybe an inch and a half um that when i stepped on stage fell straight off my foot um (laughs) i had a very flat uh, fringe wig that was, uh, you know, slightly sharish, but like really I had no business wearing with the size of my uh, uh, square head. And um, 
I put rice in a pair of tights and made boobs and off I trotted to Britney Spears' Toxic. And my God, like, I mean, my performance was, yeah, it was, it was a moment. It was not cute in any way, but I had a room full of friends that were in there who told me I was the best thing ever since sliced bread and i was 100 percent not so they were just very sweet yeah yeah but that's what you gotta do you can't go in it yeah. perfect yeah no not not at all i think that that lots of people try and strive now to start a perfect in fact people are almost afraid to not be perfect uh, yeah from the start and that's why they maybe don't do it for so so long and i'm like Go do it. Like, as we already said, people love things going wrong. In fact, if something goes wrong, they might like you even more. Especially if you acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. If you acknowledge it and don't wig out and tense up because the room is kind of with you. They want you to do well, generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always a bad room, but especially in those situations where, you know, it's kind of the night where people go and maybe there's new drag queens or it's first time or night or whatever. They're mm-hmm. with you and it, they're kind of living it with you. They're excited for you to either do well or, you know, if you're terrible, it's like a karaoke when someone's like God awful, but they're really trying to sing that journey song. You're kind of like, yeah, this is fun. It's almost better. Actually, it's it's always better than the music school dropout going there to show how perfectly they can hit the notes. Uh Yeah, I I will say karaoke in in um, in L.A. when I was there was very different karaoke in Dublin. Like there was a lot of people really trying to, you know, they were they were I think they thought someone was in the room and they were going to get signed after this track <laughs> because in Dublin, karaoke is messy, off key, slightly drunk. And um, nobody was, you know, you might get one person in a show that does really, really well, um, but it doesn't mean they're going to win that night. It means that... Uh, <laughs> Some other person who's sloppy and hilarious probably will win. That uh, fear of not being perfect, I think, can hamper a lot of us uh, when it comes to music, when it comes to doing anything. Even mm-hmm. so, it's like starting a podcast. I remember someone asking me some stuff about what, like, advice, and I was just like, just do it, just start yeah. it, yeah. start it, and start putting it out. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter if in six months you think, oh, those were terrible. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because by that point, you'll have moved on to yeah. wherever you're going. But there's no there's no way to start like starting yeah it, it it can stifle entertainment and fun when you're just so caught up in in trying to be perfect so yeah um but i think you have to be you have to have a certain level of confidence as well to let yourself be free around all that too which can be difficult too if you have anxiety or self-esteem issues or whatever but the funny formula with that is like the more you battle against that you can be afraid and be full of fear but you just walk through it and just sort of force yourself through that because otherwise you can keep yourself in this horrible limbo yeah for sure for sure we've all been terrified in those moments right but you just gotta mm. blast oh, through. I, I think nerves are great i still get nervous all the time um you know, as well, the smaller the audience, the more nervous I am. <laughs> right, um, right, yeah. It's bizarre. I, I like. I remember I opened up for Trixie in London and she had 2,300 people um, in the audience. And I went out there like thinking I was, you know, great. I was like, I've got this. Like, this is fine. But I've gone into a room with 10 people and been like, oh, my God, this is going to be, you know, really hard. I'm not very good. Am I any good? You know, I'd be just questioning myself after it so um i'm not sure if that's for everyone but it's definitely how it affects me mentally when it's a small room i think that's fairly universal i'm sure for all performers Mm -hmm. especially an intimate crowd that's 
something about that is very disturbing when it's more yeah. people i don't know what it, that equation is or wh- why it's like that but yeah it's almost like you think that because it's a small crowd they can they can see in and see that you know the imposter or something that's it's like it. yeah you've actually nailed it that's it <laughs> they're going to see that we are telling a lie you've just nailed it so that's what i'm really worried about There's, you know it's a small room they're up closer and all of a sudden they can see that i am a fraud and i've been a fraud <laughs> for almost two decades <laughs> yeah imposter syndrome is such a funny thing and it, it's something that can go away and then but then it comes back and it'll surprise you like it sneaks up on you and just tackles you yeah yeah that's crazy i love that (laughs) (laughs) it'll be interesting the getting back into being in crowds and performing for crowds and everything i think it's going to be kind of surreal like it's going to all work fine but i think Mm -hmm. i feel anyway that there's almost this weird stress about going back into the other thing even though that's what we all want how do you feel about that Oh, I feel so many ways. One, okay, I've been quite lucky in the last year. Like Dublin is home to all of the like big tech companies. It's it's essentially San Francisco of of Europe. So it's the first stop across the pond. So like Facebook have set up here, Google have set up here, and they operate their European headquarters. So in a way you know, they were all craving entertainment during this lockdown and, and trying to bring their staff together. So I ended up doing quite a lot of, of those um, shows and I've gotten really used to it. In fact, I feel like I've turned into the Dora the Explorer of drag because there's <laughs> kids on all of these um, events, you know, because parents are working from home yeah. and unless they lock those kids in the back room, they're going to be there. And um, I've I've gotten into a real flow of that and I don't know how it's going to be to be in a big room. Like we, we did a very small tour um, in October where it was socially distant and seated uh, inside venues and it could be maximum 100 people. And it was with Adore Delano. And I remember, you know, you weren't allowed to scream. The audience couldn't sle- scream. They could mildly clap. They, you know, so when you finished a performance, it felt like you'd just gotten a degree, you know, when everyone's collecting their <laughs> diploma because they do this. And that's yeah. really, really a, a complete head fuck. Like, I can imagine. Is, yeah. 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 So, You're having two thoughts at the same time. What one? The soothing part of your brain is like, "Listen, this is because of uh, the restrictions and stuff." And the other side of your brain is like, "No, they didn't like it. It didn't go well. It did not go well. And it's the first time I've been out in front of people. This, uh, oh my god, what's going on? I've lost it." Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like that's, that, 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 we spoke about it after the show, and we were about like, "Oh, how was that for you?" And we both were like, "That was really bizarre." And then you, it's funny how quick your body gets used to it because by the end of the week, we were like, "Oh, this is great. Had a great show. How was I loved it?" <laughs> Um, so, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I truly would love to just get back into it when things are like completely back to normal. But yeah. who knows when that's going to be? I mean, I'm also terrified at the thoughts of performing four numbers in the same show with costume changes um, for someone that's done little to no exercise in, the, in a year um, to finally, you know, be jumping around a stage. Yeah. Uh, that scares me. <laughs> scares me to the point that in my tiny apartment, I've rented a cross trainer um, to, to do some exercise on. I have no room for a cross trainer, by the way. Sure. Like, I mean, no. So, you know, I have to trip over it to get anywhere in the apartment, which is also part of the plan that if I trip over it enough, maybe I'll get on it and, you know, try and get a bit fitter. Because, you know, June 21st, anyway, in the UK, things are supposed to open as normal. And I'm supposed to go back to work on the 25th over there. So um, 
I don't think the audience need to see me just taking deep breaths for, you know, 20 minutes trying to catch my breath. Pulling an Elvis Presley, you know, he would get winded towards the yeah. end of his... Uh, <laughs> there's a great bootleg, I think, of just uh, his more drugged up, fucked up mm-hmm. moments in the Vegas stage. I don't pay attention to rumors. I don't pay attention to movie magazines. They don't read them because they're all junk. And... Uh, no, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to put anybody's job down. I'm talking about they have a job to do, and they got, they got to write something. So if they don't know anything, they make it up, you know. So in my case, they make it up. When I hear rumors flying around, I got sick in the hospital. Well, I was, you know, in this day and time, you can't even get sick. You are strung out. Oh, by God, I'll tell you something, friend. I have never been strung out in my life, except on music. When I got sick here in the hotel, I got sick here that one night, I had 102 temperature, they wouldn't let me perform. From three different sources I heard, I was strung out on heroin. I swear to God, hotel employees, Jack, bellboys, freaks you carry your luggage up to the room, people working around, you know, talking, maids. And I was sick. I was, you know, I was getting, had a doctor, had the flu, and I got over one day. Was I? But all across this town, I was strung out. So I told him earlier, and don't you get offended, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to somebody else. If I find or hear the individual that has said that about me, I'm going to break your goddamn neck, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that is dangerous. And it's damaging to myself, to my little daughter, to my father, to my friends, my doctor, to everybody, my relationship with you, my relationship with up here on the stage, it is dangerous. I will pull your goddamn tongue out by the roots. Thank you very much. I used to work in a very large uh, venue over here um, in a in their VIP bar behind the bar, uh, and that was located behind the stage, but up one level. So I there was one band who were playing. I won't say which one, but they had a tent erected at the back of the stage so that the singer could leave the stage, and um, whatever was happening in that tent, no one else was allowed to see. So wow, yeah. And then they were then they were ready to you know rejoin the stage because they'd they were full of energy again (laughs) yeah they freshened up somehow maybe it was a cross trainer maybe that's what it was yeah (laughs) very big in rock and roll people don't realize that they think it's all drugs and everything no god no yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) also i love when guys in bands have road cases for whatever the shit is they have the bgs used to have a traveling tea service set up where no matter where they went they could have a proper cup of english tea that's on the more wholesome side of things. There's also the Stones. Oh, no, or was it Fleetwood Mac? Probably both. They would have a Coke can. Oh, Aerosmith. Sorry, forgive me. Of course, Aerosmith. I hate to take the credit away from them for this. <laughs> there was a Coke can washed out, then left to dry. Then it was just filled with Coke. And he would just take a straw and lean over and just blast, like just a whole, however much he would hoover up at, at the time. And that was comfortably behind the amps. So a lot of 70s footage of bands, if you see them just sort of wander over and lean over like they're checking a dial or something, they're not checking uh-huh. anything. They're uh-huh. just having a hoover. Uh-huh. And one last one, of Mick Fleetwood, there's like an 82 concert video, the Mirage mm. Tour, where he's playing and he's in the middle of playing and the roadie comes over and feeds him beer 
that's how thirsty he was. You, you know, oh he couldn't God. wait till the three minutes of the song were over. I want that life. I'm ready for that life. <laughs> I know. Like, it may sound like um, I'm saying, I'm pointing my finger and saying, bad, bad people. But I'm like, what a what a magic setup. What a fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it nice yeah, to have a yeah. gang of people? <laughs> what, what, what was their role? Like on the CV like that they have, you know, what was their job called? I want to think it's like beer roadie. I'm sure it was like um, refreshment assistant or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they used to hide. They used to hide cocaine in vi- '80s video budgets under all sorts of things because it would be a line item. They'd get money from the production to pay for it, like all those old Elton John videos done with Russell Mackay. Like I'm still standing. Surprise, surprise. Was fueled by a lot of cocaine. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Okay, never knew that. Well, no wonder music videos used to be so expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and just totally bananas. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we'll have a guy flying uh, through the thing, and then your eyes will light up. You know, <laughs> oh, they're lighting up. Yep, they're yeah. definitely lighting. <laughs> like that Bonnie Tyler video. You know, like that's the same director as that. Just uh-huh. it's nuts. But um, what about movies that you like? Okay. Because I imagine you, from a young age, probably were into the things because you ended up writing plays. Yeah. Okay. Movies. God, that's a good one. I mean, all all of the ones from like the campus of, you know, I I can't. No, I can. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call it now. Priscilla or Tu Wong? It's Priscilla. Priscilla is first, and then Tu Wong. Um, but they they were major. And um, there's a film called A Beautiful Thing. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen that. No, I, I haven't. Oh, no. you need to. You need to. It's basically. It's two teenagers in um, the UK who fall in love and they live in high rise, um, we, we, we would say flats, but like maybe you'll call them apartments and um, in a very working class area. And it's it's really magic. You know, Channel 4 were just um, a part of so much um, queer conversation in terms of TV and film from a way earlier point than so many other people were uh-huh. you know uh, like even doing like you know Gra- graham norton yeah yeah who tickles me pink that um that rue calls him graham norton i'm not sure if it's if that's how you pronounce graham in, in with an american accent but i think so yeah um, graham i think i've always said graham because it's the american accent yeah but it's like okay. craig is pronounced differently in the uk and ireland and everything that it is here yeah Fair. Well, he's he's Irish, Graham is, and he was over here trying to make it, but eventually was picked up by Channel 4 uh, for his own talk show, and now is obviously on the BBC. But that talk show was wild. I mean, yeah. absolutely wild when it was on Channel 4. You know, like, that's where, like, the archive footage needs to go, because it was brilliant. Uh, there was also a TV show called Eurotrash. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it Yeah, before. Jean-Paul Gaultier and uh, I can't remember the other person, but I remember distinctly, especially the Kylie episode. Yeah. Oh, yes! Okay, well, uh, actually the, was was that with the drag queens? The Kylie drag queens? Yes, 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 that's right. They have the Kylie impersonator um, uh, contest. I can't remember what it was called. It had a name yeah. to it. They're Irish. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right, well, yeah. Uh, the the main one, Kylie O'Reilly, unfortunately passed away about a year or year, maybe two years ago. But like um, Phyllis is a cross dressing legend in Ireland. Who you know, actually that clip went um, viral very recently. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, Phyllis regularly just goes out and um, 
you know, 10 wigs piled in her hair, flowers hanging out. And if she sees that we got out of drag after our shows, she calls us wash off merchants. That's what she calls us, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. Um, she carries a full size mirror in her handbag. I mean, a full size mirror in her handbag. And her trick for making sure that she never gets de-wigged is she ties the wig elastic to her bra strap. So oh, wow. it's, it's connected from here to here because obviously she had, I mean, we've all had that moment where someone tried to grab our wig. But um, that's so funny that you that you mentioned that clip because they are Irish queens and pretty fabulous. So I have to watch that again. I think I have, yeah. I think I have like a series of it, uh, like on a disc or, or something, but it might mm-hmm. be, on, it's probably on YouTube now, which is great. I mean, the yeah. whole series probably, hopefully. Definitely. Yeah. It was floating around Twitter as well, like lots of different clips of it. But yeah, that was really like, I remember turning that on and, um, <laughs> and kind of didn't want to get caught watching it because it was so, <laughs> there was so much queer content in it. And it was the first time I ever saw like, a dick like i'd never seen like yeah. you know there it was on tv because channel four were like <laughs> let's do it and yeah amazing characters like lola ferrari who had like i think the biggest boobs in like at the time of the guinness book of records just right like, so yeah sorry i went off track from movies there but a beautiful thing is one of those you've heard the show that's what it's about yeah i'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation because normally when i am um, people uh one uh talk to drag queens we always end up answering the same questions you know, that kind of <laughs> yeah uh, well, thank you i appreciate it. i'm happy to hear that you know because yeah. uh, again so you know the thing that sometimes you think especially on zoom i don't this doesn't happen in person in this last year during zoom you're like am i just asking the same shit that everyone <laughs> no, <laughs> you know no. like i'm not looking for another further compliment i'm just saying like that you know these are the thoughts because it's weird the zoom thing it, i'm thankful for it obviously but there's certain yeah. aspects of it that are just weird i'm sure you've noticed that too with guests mm-hmm. and everything yeah like when you talk to detox was on zoom right right yeah, yeah yeah i mean firstly your relaxed um style of conversation is slightly dangerous because i feel like we're having a really <laughs> a really chilled um conversation that i could literally say anything at all because i feel like it's just two girlfriends having a good chat exactly but, um we spoke to detox on zoom as well and you know weirdly like it's kind of enabled us to all have conversations that maybe we never would have had before true um, you yeah. know uh, and and it's i mean i suppose during all of this the 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 hardest thing to do is to try and just steer away from just constantly talking about lockdown and the pandemic and all that because there's so especially at the start there was just so little happening that like oh it made me crazy like i really didn't want to i ended up doing like a a second series you know like within this the show of live from Mm -hmm. lockdown because i sort of i didn't know what to do and i was losing my mind and also there was nothing Mm -hmm. to talk about there was nothing to talk about except where were you when blah 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 and where were you when you found out and like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean all that shit and there was nothing or your free health care there was you could talk about your free health care in the uk which i mean i was very happy to hear uh, even though even though you were you. very sick i was very happy to hear that you were very well taken care of and that the bill was not uh you know a mortgage that you needed to take out just to pay it so well thank you good. very much i appreciate that that's that's very lovely the very specific mm-hmm. uh mention of that yes and also uh as i was realizing with margot marshall uh recently i think i'm pretty sure i had covid now i i think i went back and forth thinking nah i didn't really have it because i didn't have this i didn't have that didn't have that well Margot got really sick and said mm-hmm. the sickest they'd ever been. And I think, thankfully, we probably each both had a variant, the same variant, that yeah. also can reaffirm my decision to not fly when I didn't fly because I could have given a whole plane. Do you know totally. what I mean? <laughs> like Totally. Totally. 
just when you when you say that because at that specific timing so many big things were happening um at the end of january like obviously dragcon uk and the fabulous show that you hosted with danny beard not to cut you off but no thank you i mean i i did look back at that the next day and i thought because i remember you being in the crowd and uh, oh. I I'm not gonna lie, because um, I spotted you and I really um, have enjoyed your podcast. And so I was I just was about like, to start start sh- filming some video, and then later I was like, I didn't film that because it was such a lovely yeah. moment. I got to tell you that really like that lifted me so much. It was just a beautiful thing you you called yeah. you pointed me out. And- I was I was excited because I was like I really enjoy um, Craig's podcast. So uh, and to be honest, that happens sometimes. I forget there's an audience in the room, and I'm like, oh my god, hello, I love your podcast. <laughs> Well, that was very special. But when you think that weekend, how many people you were around? Oh like, my it's, god, I know. You know. It's no wonder you were potentially not sick <laughs> or, or sick after it. I should say, um, yeah, because I might have had it twice. That that's the other thing that I was thinking about. Because at first, when I'm talking about it with Margot, I go, "Well, I bet I got it at, uh, during DragCon." Because also mm-hmm. the amount of hugs I give, like I'm a I'm a hugger, and. Then I thought, well, wait, that doesn't track, right? Because it goes away after a certain while. Not that we know anything about it, mm-hmm. but I very well could have had it twice yeah. because of yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? There were so many people. Yeah. And, and that venue was murder. For mm-hmm. You walk through and you're pressed up against people. There was no easy way around it. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you've been to the UK a few times. We're, there's not much air conditioning at all. <laughs> that you know, I noticed, like, yeah. Get ready to sweat, basically. And uh, <laughs> personal space. I mean, who is she? Because most people have never met her. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, that that I, it's so wild when you think then that two months later, we were all like locked in our houses after like mag- magic like like the the three days before that we had been in sweden with cracker for her show and then like we were living the best lives ever like i was at the abba museum like you know oh and then, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing by the way and i fully recommend it just for a look at the costumes alone but and then all of a sudden that's it like you know everyone's calendars just disappeared you're um speaking to something that definitely plagued me for a while right after i mean i don't know for a while i could say for months and months who knows because there was so much great activity and so many connections being you know like remember we chatted afterwards at the thing and it was like oh great yeah no i'm here for a while we'll do a show like all this stuff and then yeah boom you know what i mean things got yeah and everything felt like it was snatched away i'm sure that's the case for everyone listening you know what i mean 100 percent. it's nice to be on the other side of it Oh, pretty so much nice i mean ireland is still very much not not there we're getting there like it's nice to see england is like really moving places and wales they opened their venues yesterday and and outdoor drinks are allowed in scotland and just to see you know some people that i really admire being able to get back to what you know i don't think anyone realized how important work and scheduling was <laughs> for them for their mental health and yeah. until it was taken away and taken away in a way that you had no idea when it's coming back. It's not like you can say, okay, I got this. This is six months and then I know I'm 100% going to be back. Like it, it messed with so many people. And um, I think the the fallout of that is still yet to really be seen. And that's what um, I'm nervous about. Like how, yeah. how people are going to be when they get back. Are they going to be the same? I don't know. I think they're in many ways going to be. But then I think there's going to be anxieties that we've either quelled from our past or ones that we've just gotten that are going to be inflamed in weird ways that were triggered and we don't even know why or something yeah. do you know what i mean or we're hesitant to go to a function like mm-hmm. mild agoraphobia all of that stuff yeah 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and meet and greets, how are they ever going to like feel normal <laughs> yeah, again? Do you know what I mean? Know. Yeah, uh, sheet of glass in between and just like yeah. tapping. You tap on the thing. You don't <laughs> hug anymore. You tap on the glass. <laughs> it's like it's like Midnight Express. You know, they just go to the window and tap, tap, tap. <laughs> they yeah, kiss the glass yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that and also like a friend of mine who was fully vaccinated, one of the most huggy, huggy people ever came uh, to LA and came over to visit and we all, we, it was kind of like a stilted hug because it was weird to hug someone, even though they are have been vaccinated because they were donating their time to a vaccination center. So they were up on the list. So even with that month headway, there was still like a, a hesitation, which that'll yeah. be the interesting stuff that takes a while to dissolve, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And for the kids, like the, and I'm talking about really young kids. Oh, yeah. I have a, I have a nephew um, who is only eight and a half months and you know like none of us held him for like the first four God, or five that's months so weird mm. and and he cried a lot then when we started to be more present because he'd seen two faces and that was it um and i don't know how that's gonna go long term as well these <laughs> yeah. these kids are gonna be carrying that like for sure especially the ones who were just born i didn't thought think about that before but you know they do say a lot about the first experiences of the first year of like holding and getting used to touch. I, I mean, I'm thinking about knowing what I know about pets because I've never had a kid, but I <laughs> okay. uh, don't plan on it. But uh, with pets, like if you get a, a kitten, you hold them a lot and then they get used mm-hmm. to interacting with you. And if you don't, sometimes, you know, like uh, abused uh, animals or whatever, they right. are very shy to touch. Maybe you never will touch them and maybe they don't like when you come near them. So you try to do the opposite of that when you, when you get a mm-hmm. pet. I mean, pets yeah. are just like kids, right? Yeah, I, I, and it, I mean, it's just harder to mess them up. So I, I support <laughs> getting a pet instead of a kid, for sure. Exactly. Plus, their feeding is a whole lot easier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, this have, this is the stuff I edit out when I'm like, uh, yeah, what, don't worry. Do you edit your show? Because it, sa- it sounds so nice and free form that. Uh, yeah, I, I, we try I mean not that to. As a compliment. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. We try not to. And um, there's definitely bits that we. Uh, that we have to, yeah. And it's normally when we said something that we shouldn't have because we might <laughs> know them or yeah. a bit too comfortable. Um, but we try not to, and I don't. It, Davina does that. I do more things like um, the Patreon and the and the like the social media side of things more so. And um, oh, that reminds yeah. me, we should do a Patreon episode that we can both use on our Patreon. Yeah. So maybe Fabulous. a movie, a movie club, or just a Love chat, it. It, whatever, yeah. whatever we want to do. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'd love to. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Because I, I, now I'm at the point where when people ask us to do like, you know, something for them, I'm like, right, how can I get a Patreon out of this too? Do you know that well, kind of sure. Like, yeah. You know, how, ca- how can we create content that's easy and there for Patreon too? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Let's do something for sure. That, that'd be great. Yeah. We should watch. It's a bit. Be- we should watch. It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. I'm 100% yeah. into that because uh, yeah. usually I pick the movie and it's like, that sounds like a really fun one that I haven't seen. Oh my God. Oh, have, you ever, have you ever seen Looking for Mr. Goodbar? No. It's kind of the straight world corollary to cruising, but it's like the two films could play to double feature and you go, oh, that, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, Diane Keaton's in it. It's the best thing she's ever done. Richard Gere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and William Atherton. It's it's incredible. I'll send it to you. Well, though. You had me at Diane, so you know. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, you will love her in this. It's wild. Oh, love it. I love, love it. Um, the, the music, by the way, in um, A Beautiful Thing is uh, Mama Cass, all, all related to that. Oh, so, wow. 
Yeah. I just listened to an interview with Michelle Phillips that was uh, wild. Besides her and John Phillips, her and Denny had an affair, and then Mama Cass was in love with Denny. I mean, the drama in that band, and it's always the bands that have that real easy sounding thing mm-hmm. to them that have like, the mm-hmm. most insane fucking shit going on <laughs> you know oh, that's hilarious isn't it like the carpenters you know she mm-hmm. had her problems of course and richard was addicted to quaaludes like brutally addicted yeah. to quaaludes which you right. can kind of hear when you listen to this stuff because everything's like not mellow but mm-hmm. like almost paralytic you know like yeah. it's yeah jerry rafferty very easy smooth sound crazy alcoholic <laughs> Mm. <laughs> it's not a wonder though that like any um of these people got in to record new music like um from what i read up on dusty springfield like absolutely <laughs> like quite the ticket do you know what i mean uh her relationships seem to be uh, abusive many times and yeah, yeah um and um you know like I, also and then i read that she was supposed to record that song with elton john because elton wanted to kind of give her, her like a, a revival moment oh yeah and yeah. then she didn't show up and then that song was huge like so she must have been kicking herself but she like had so many yeah wild stories that never really were out there either really gnarly stuff like when you say the abuse is like throwing hurling plates of food at people throwing yeah. glasses mm-hmm. crazy stuff and also in the recording studio with the pet shop boys she wanted to redo every syllable she wanted to punch in for every syllable and i was like what what the fuck because you know you hear her voice you know son of a preacher man was a rehearsal take okay. and she was furious because that wasn't supposed to be released she's like that's not that's not good enough so that oh shows you where that stuff can get you too. You can, that's the yeah. madness where it's such a strange thing. Cause you always, you always want to be like, perf- like improving or not perfecting rather, but you mm-hmm. always want to be improving and being conscious of what you're doing and can you make it better? But then you can get into this sort of twilight zone of mm-hmm. your dusty Springfield. And you think that that is not a good vocal. Yeah. However, in private, that song is just gold yes, in my it opinion is. like it oh is. my god it's just perfection um it's probably one of my favorites i think um and on the topic of the pet shop boys where were they when elton john and years and years were performing that song because there's weird rumors that they were backstage and that there was some sort of maybe the managements all couldn't come to the agreement on how that was going to happen now that could be just gay gossip like gay sure. gossip could be literally it however <laughs> i mean i love the song and and i think they did a great job the the two artists um on on their performance but i would have loved to have seen the patch up boys come back out and just like take their their deserved place on stage for that performance as well they made one of my favorite Madonna remixes. Oh, which? Sorry. They did an incredible remix. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, I'm not, but I'm, as soon as this is over, I'm going to be downloading it myself. <laughs> Neil sings on it, too. So he does the backup vocals, and you're like, oh, wow. You know, like, what a perfect thing. And I also yeah. love that with a remix, when someone will go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh but I, just on madonna what what is your favorite madonna song because it's something that i really struggle um favorite song and favorite album it's something i struggle to name but i kind of know what it is that is tough i will have to go with causing a commotion for my favorite song uh the 12 inch silver screen mix in particular i just something about it i love i used i always love playing it at videodrome for favorite album, it's hard because Confessions is so perfect. Although mm-hmm. Isaac does kind of knock it a little bit. If I have to compare mm-hmm. it to another album, <laughs> then which album okay. do I compare it to? Mm-hmm. Like a Virgin is pretty 
but then the first album see this is, the, this is what happens the first album is so amazing because it's so like yeah disco punk almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ray of light i love oh well and then okay it's let uh, this is what happens. see it's really hard I, it's, it's really, really hard. hard it's really hard the body of work is so different throughout so you're like how do you compare one with the other but i mean you have to you have to okay so i will i'll pick um i guess maybe confessions or music i'll just have to pick one of those two i guess maybe music because i think when the time that when that came out i listened to nothing else but that and i was so into it as much as i love confessions and i do that that album was just on non-stop play Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah okay good choice i am okay for favorite song I find it really hard to choose between Burning Up and and Borderline. Mm. But Borderline just makes me bloody happy every time I hear it. Like, I could be having not a great day and that, you know, opening melody will start and I'm like, okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's not such a shitty day. Um, but the album is probably going to throw you because it's American Life and I don't know why it's American Life, but some of the music is so dark on that album, you know, the mother and father song and... Yeah. The melodies are so nice and obviously she was playing guitar and it felt really personal and 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 then there was wacky tracks on it like just these weird ass tracks that like appeared yeah. on it um so I it's crazy it's that album and i i, I love it and i'm glad yeah. i love that it's your favorite one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i wasn't happy until i knew every word of that terrible rap like i needed every <laughs> word down of that and then I had to show every single friend every time it was on that I knew every word of that rap. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another rap later in the album, isn't there? Oh, God. Is there? What is the other rap? It's later in the album. But mm-hmm. I, I love that record. And then I think that she kind of went adrift for a bit because what was the next one after that? It was Hard Candy. It was Hard Candy, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that we shouldn't speak of that a spanish lesson yeah. is like the worst thing i've ever heard from anybody yeah um yeah. and that i think the blowback from american life made her sort of oh well i'll hire a couple different producers i'll mm-hmm. sort of do whatever's in the charts and i don't think she needs to do that anymore i guess madame x is an example for not doing that yeah i don't know how successful that was though in i don't know american if i really way. cared for it to be honest with Me you neither yeah I, and, and i'm someone that like the madonna album lands and my life pauses because i need <laughs> to absorb it and then i was like I was, I was like i felt like i was tyra banks screaming at an album going i was rooting for you do you know yeah, what i mean yes and, yeah 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 and, and that i mean but i can't knock it because it's still like it's special but it's just not it's not my five like you're glad she put something out but still i remember a a couple songs i was like are there any drums in this album where's what's Mm -hmm. going on i don't need everything Mm -hmm. to be a disco song but like a couple songs i'm like okay 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 like you're saying something that's like a little too obvious as what you're saying Mm -hmm. and there's nothing else to mask it here so Mm -hmm. yeah i like the self-referencing i'm very into that yeah because i think you know when you're madonna you can of course (laughs) self-reference and but I, i could do without the collaborations with um whoever the record company think is the hottest new artist i'm like no give me an unknown artist collaborate with yeah. an unknown artist yeah or or collaborate with someone who maybe hasn't been around in a while and is pretty fabulous in their own right too like a dusty springfield whatever the equivalent of that would oh, be. could you imagine ah! <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be great or if she mm-hmm. did something with like rufus wainwright you know mm-hmm. what i mean like that yes. would be yeah that would be cool yeah yeah, yeah love that or just have one person produce the album with her, like Stuart Price did for mm-hmm. Confessions on a Dance Floor. Yeah. 
I have to say a special uh, mention to Bad Girl, that song. And actually, the whole Erotica album is great. Outside of, there's always one song that it makes me go like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Where Life Begins, I think, might be the, the one on that. But, uh, okay. Yeah, but welcome, yeah, yeah. welcome to Madonna Talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, no, It's not your fault. I uh, I just make a joke of it because this is maybe the third or fourth time this has happened. So uh, oh, I, don't think okay. the, I don't think the listeners mind. I certainly don't. Let's get back to the drag beginning. So after your first performance, tell me about some of the clubs that you worked at. Because I always love hearing about those because yeah. they, they always have such an impact on us. The first places we hang out and mm. perform. Okay. So to take away from the performance part of it, like my first experience of like gay nightlife in Dublin, because it's changed so much. It's become, you know, like watered down in many ways. But like, I remember working behind a bar at 18 and um it, this is by a drag queen called uh, panty um who she went um viral with a speech about um that led to a huge part of the campaign of getting equal marriage uh, oh, wow. in, in ireland yeah um and uh she used to run club nights and because i think i was the only uh gay member of staff it was my first week the bar manager was like okay you're going in this particular room because different rooms had different vibes so this was the heavy petting bear room and you know i had just come out like i hadn't <laughs> seen this stuff before you know i hadn't seen men sucking on each other's nipples in front of the bar before and yeah. I mean, I, like I wasn't arguing, but I was also like, okay, this is this is different. But you know, she um, created some amazing moments in gay nightlife over here. In terms of, there was uh, treadmills on stage with naked men walking on them. Oh, she wow. entered into the nightclub one night on a horseback, singing an Adam and the Ant song, um, "Stand and Deliver." <laughs> amazing, um, yeah. So I, I don't know if we'll ever see stuff like that ever again, but it was. It was pretty amazing, and that was kind of a, a huge part of my introduction to it. But in terms of like performing, it was, it was really I got hooked into it because a couple of my friends were doing drag, so it became a, a real social thing for us. So we yeah. we'd get into drag, we'd go perform one performance at a show, and it didn't matter if it was good or bad because we were out until the early hours, dressed up in drag not looking cute but having so much fun and i'm being sweaty because as i remember i said no air conditioning right so your face is falling down um, <laughs> yeah I, I, and that's it like i just i just remember there was no fear you'd walk anywhere and drag you didn't really mind and everything was so exciting like everything was just so magical and exciting it was in but it was in a bar called the george that i worked mm -hmm. and uh still continue to work at uh, and so many crazy memories in it, like some that we'll never be able to tell because they're just unrepeatable. <laughs> Not even on the live streams. Yeah, I mean, maybe if the price is right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the attitude. Yes, that's what we like to yeah. hear. Yeah, and you clearly have a strong fondness for that because I've noticed in your posts and everything and having that been there. I look forward to visiting sometime and it'll be fun to go there. I love all the venues in the UK that I've been to, like mm -hmm. the Clapham Grand. What would be the place like that for yeah. you? So like the large venue, it's like Vicar Street, which I mean, has been essentially, I mean, they're so brilliant. We did our, 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 a huge Pride event there just before things closed up. And, um, you know, when you go and do Pride events in certain spaces that are not queer spaces, you're worried about certain things like, you know, um, 
security how are the security going to be to the people that arrive on the door yeah how are the bar staff going to be is everyone going to be you know welcoming friendly because the crowd that we're bringing to them is not going to bring trouble to their doorstep it's just not they're here to party and have fun and spend well listen the next day after the event i woke up with so many emails saying that you know they felt so welcomed and the service was amazing and it just was such a great space so we have that space it it, it has about 1500 people and um, that you can have in there and the staff their only um comment the next day was they were um they were chuckling because they had sold one pint of guinness all day <laughs> and their music events normally sell hundreds of pints of guinness yeah and i was like no you know people were on the cocktails girl they were not coming for the guinness this you is know? not a guinness crowd no they're no. not <laughs> i just pictured someone like losing their mind living for a madonna track with a big pint of guinness on the dance floor yeah. <laughs> oh yeah uh, a pint of guinness on the dance floor the cock destroyers were uh, in the building and they were, they were on stage and bewitched i'm not sure if you're familiar with bewitched the girl no. band no an irish girl band who uh, they sung a song called say la vie um oh, okay the, yeah huge over here and it was the weirdest mix of acts and it just was so right because it was so wrong in many ways <laughs> oh that's great well i've had such a fab time uh chatting with you today and i look yeah, forward to too. doing it again is Absolutely. there anything that you'd like to talk about before we uh close out oh god i don't think so i've had a really nice chat and it was um unexpected and yeah i i enjoyed myself oh, considering lovely. it's like 20 to midnight here in in Dublin, oh yeah that, so. that's right yeah yeah i mean it's like bre- uh, lunchtime for you or maybe breakfast depending on what time you get up at normally uh lunch, let's say lunchtime yeah yeah because mm-hmm. i did get up yeah. a, well not too too early but reasonable mm-hmm. two hours mm-hmm. before no wait let 10 30 yeah so yeah. that's not yeah. bad yeah well i'm happy to close your night out if this is the end of your night what's actually what are your sleep habits like so uh it really depends when Weirdly, when my boyfriend's over, our sleep pattern is a lot better. So I will probably go to bed maybe at like, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. Um, but when I'm here on my own, I could be up until like 5 a.m. That's me totally. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just like, well, like well, I can watch another episode of something or I'll work away <laughs> right. on something. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not very good at switching off in general. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, my sleeping pattern, I, I would, I like sleeping in until midday. I very much enjoy the luxury of doing that, um, yeah. which I think I deserve after 10 years of working nights and days. I'm catching up on a lot of sleep over that decade. You are. And that reminds me of something I meant to ask you before. You talked about touring can make you feel haggard and burnt out and everything. It, you, so you've clearly had that. What was the time where you realized that you had to sort of maybe adjust that a little bit? Well, I'm obsessed with working, so I don't think I ever have had that moment. Like, I see a jo- uh, a diary as a challenge to fill it, um, and 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 that's something I have to watch out for because I I can over schedule things and suck the life out of things in that way. But um, yeah, I've I've definitely come home like maybe like two years ago. I I went through a breakup and I was 
probably drinking more and eating a lot less. Um, I mean, I look snatched, but inside I was miserable. <laughs> it's um, funny sometimes you see photos from a particularly bad time, and you're like, "Yeah, wow, geez, look at look at how skinny I was." You know, like it's like, and you're like, and part of your brain's like, "Yeah, they, don't tell the doctor that or whatever." Like, don't yeah. Uh, let, yeah, yeah. let people know that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think I was sleeping a lot as well at the time, and and but that was just something I had to work. It's way out of my body, you know that kind of way. It just well, those things like... take time. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. The bad habits, or you know, totally. bad version of things, the habits. Yeah, great things came out of it. Like some really funny jokes came out of it, and um, new material in other ways. And yeah, and then and and more self love than I've ever had once I got over it before. So I mean, you know, those tragic times, you're like, ugh, and then something amazing comes out of it. So. Something on our podcast we do, uh, which is not going to make sense um, in terms of the word to uh, Americans, is we have a rotter of the week quite often, which is something that's really bothering us, really annoying us. So it could be like getting stuck behind a family in airport security because they've got like so much stuff with them and they have to put it through a belt. It could be that. Um, I'd be just curious what your um, rotter wow. of the week would be. Something that really has just grinded your goat. Oh, God. Well, I'll, I'll have to include last week because yesterday was pretty placid and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take me a second. But while I'm thinking of it, would you explain to everyone what a, a rotter would be a corollary yeah. to just a pisser, right? Yeah, it's just someone that what we would say rots you. It really yeah. bothers you. It, it bothers you to the core. So it could be someone parking between two car park spaces and they're just so selfish because they just didn't nail their parking. Or... um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's literally, uh, what was it this week that was bothering me? I have it written down here. So this week, I, I just was getting really over the fact that some people are saying, I think I've been shadow banned on Instagram. Like, I think <laughs> they've definitely shadow banned me. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Nobody's seeing my content. Maybe your content's just not that good. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so that was my uh, thing that was like grinding me this week. <laughs> people yeah. that think they've been shadow banned. Maybe the neighbors. Maybe the neighbors okay. upstairs because That's it's good. something I have to deal with that, but it's something that the building has to take care of. So while I'm pretty zen about it most of the time, mm-hmm. it just sort of rubbed me really yeah. raw last week. Yeah. No, that's a good one. And the reason I say it's a good one, because it's dangerous enough that your neighbors could hear that you're on your podcast complaining about yes, them, yes. but also safe enough to go, well, am I that neighbor? Is it another neighbor? <laughs> that's right. You know what I mean? And it's complicated because they're just living their life walking on the floor. Do you know what I mean? So I get that part of it, too. How rude. How rude. How dare you? <laughs> Although I will say some days, uh, one or two days last week, this would what made me think of it as the rotter. I was like, do you ever sit down? Do you ever like I, I, I was thinking I was like are are you like are you on a like a fitness plan or something what's the back and forth back and forth I could do without the and I don't know if this is them or another neighbor doing a home fitness plan that was yeah. okay six months ago not okay but still like you look up at the ceiling and go yeah I know I get it no gyms are open but yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I'm happy to say that I'm only doing 20 minutes a day on my cross trainer purely because I'm too dead after 20 minutes. So <laughs> my neighbors just have to deal with 20 minutes. That's it. Fair enough. Look, you're in lockdown and you're trying to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For well, sure. thanks, thanks for joining me for this, and I look forward to arranging one that we can do for our patreons. Absolutely, and even better, hopefully seeing maybe each other in real life at some point. I know. Well, I definitely plan on being over uh, the UK uh, in the next year. 
I want to yeah. say earlier than that, but I don't like to like set up mm -hmm. frustrating deadlines, you know what I mean? Or timelines yeah. for myself, probably mm -hmm. sooner than that. I feel like things are bounding along at a pretty good clip, even though, mm -hmm. even though it's different here to there and everywhere. But yeah, I, I feel like by Christmas, things will be fairly normal. What do you think? I think DragCon maybe next January. I just have a feeling maybe. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think that's very plausible because the 21st of, of June, uh, the government are still saying in the UK that things are going to be normal on that day. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, six months later, how could it not be? And then that's the fun part because then you and me can have the completely unfiltered version and say <laughs> everything <laughs> over Absolutely. <a> cocktail. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be great. By the way, how fun was it to have that hotel overrun? by oh. all of us uh, it was amazing the only thing i'd say was i got a taxi to what i thought was a gay bar but there seems to be in the uk they've got like the same name bar <laughs> so i wanted to go to the two brewers oh yeah. Bar. yeah yeah so i order a taxi and then i've been in the taxi for um uh, 80 minutes oh, and he's no. like oh you're here at the two brewers and i was like no, no, that's not a gay bar. Come on, we are turning around <laughs> right now. So I missed out on one night because I spent uh, an hour and 20 each way trying to get to the two brewers. That was not a gay bar. Oh, my God. I remember heading over to the little premiere thing they were doing for the first episode with when like the Vivian did a number and all that. And that was the slowest Uber ride ever. It seemed like there was every traffic problem in the world, every everything in the world was right yeah. then. Yeah, that's London. That's it why is. I'm like, I, I like a smaller city where I can get around <laughs> quicker because I'm not a big fan of the underground either. So I like an Uber. And um, yeah, but like you could be sitting in it for two hours. No, thank you. No. Yeah. And that hotel was like a little dodgy that hotel wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah and, uh, <laughs> the the apps were very interesting if you switched on those apps who was going to show up as as you know 10 meters away you never knew over the course of our stay there i ended up being in a couple different areas of the hotel and it was like they were refurbishing some floors and other floors they were just consigning to like 1983 and they were like well you just have a good time good luck <laughs> although i will say that they were very sweet to me, the hotel staff, the cleaning staff, because I was exhausted the next morning after the night out that we had and everything. Mm -hmm. well, I was going to say, when I walked in and then you pointed me out, it really helped my my general spirit because I, you know that kind of overdramatic tired that you get after an event? Yeah. So after the second day and everyone left and, okay, we'll meet up in three hours and we'll do that, went back to my hotel room and just kind of collapsed. I was like, oh, and I was like, I can't go out. What? I'm being irresponsible. This is crazy. And then like an hour later of just laying there, I was like, yeah. oh, no, no, I'm going to that show. And so I walked in a few <laughs> minutes late. And so, you know, when you feel like, oh, I'm a little late. And so that like totally like made my night. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. You saw Joe. You saw um, Joe, Blo and uh, Joe Black, sorry, before being on the show. You saw yeah. Ginny before being on the show. And then you saw uh, one of my favorites, Juno Birch. Like, oh, Juno was amazing. Yeah, amazing. Juno was amazing. amazing. Yeah, I'd like to have Juno on yeah. sometime too. Yeah, should, yeah, she's yeah. fabulous. Yeah, and then and you as well. And uh, mm -hmm. remember, we were trying to talk about. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we'll do a show, and we were planning <laughs> it to. It just took a year plus. Yeah. I mean, we got there in the end. I'm impressed. You know what I mean? Like, give give someone an agenda, and they'll fill it out in the end. So well yeah, done. <laughs> that's right. Plus, we you know we had a pandemic, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. Well, thanks for chatting with it me. Was, and a lovely it time. It was lovely. It was a lovely Monday. I can't complain. Do you know what I mean? Same here. I'll try, but I can't. For more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, sign up, and slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club.